Welcome to Faith Westwood. I'm Holly Timberlake, the Director of Adult and Family Discipleship. We are so glad that you are with us today. If you are concurrently participating in the ministries of the church and would like to take a next step as a member, it is not too late to sign up for the Faith Walk. It is Saturday, November 7th from 8.30 to 12.30. Also, we are gearing up for our Thanksgiving bag giveaway. We have a goal to fill up 375 bags. For more information about the Thanksgiving bag giveaway and the Faith Walk, check out Monday's Faith Connect email. During this worship service, we will have music, a children's message, Holy Communion. Also, we will have a memorial to remember those that we have loved that have been lost this past year. Please continue to be in a spirit of worship. Jesus taught us about God's care when he said, And are not two sparrows sold for a penny? And yet not one of them falls to the ground outside your father's care. 
Then he said, You are worth more than many sparrows. Today, on this All Saints Day, we remember those in our Faith Westwood family who have died in this last year. And we also remember those in our own families, close family members who have died during that time. Uh, Vicki O'Hara and I will read each name, and you'll see it appear on the screen as we do. And so I would invite you to, to hold them in your prayers, hold their, their family members and loved ones in your prayers as we read. Thank you. Nelva Austin. Marvin Barnes. Mary Barnes. Henry Berganso. Charles William Bruce. Rachel Corette. Delbert Curry. Catherine Dixon. Alice Ewing. Vicki Faulkner. Linda Goodwin. Renee Groves. Randall Hark. Maxine C. Hughes. Charles Iodens. Judith Irwin Jones. Roger Kelderman. Francis Clockentager. Dale Cooks. Joan LaForge. Dorothy May Lastavica. Robert McPherson. Michael Metzler. Jean Patterson. Kimberly A. Petrillo. Keith D. Rasmussen. Phyllis Rittenauer. John Ratonia. Donna Ray Schindler. Francis Shinstock. Dolly Sharp. Jonathan Sherman. Brian Paul Smith. Adeline Villadol. Harvey Wagner. Jared Wilms. Let's pray. Jesus, you are the Savior of the world, and these are your people, sheep of your flock, sinners of your redeeming. Now they see you face to face. They remain in your presence in strength and gladness. We long one day to join them before heaven's throne, and we eagerly await with them that great day when we will receive our resurrection bodies, when you will renew heaven and earth and restore all things. All glory to you, mighty Savior, for this great hope. Amen. Good morning, boys and girls. Miss Leah here. 
I'm so glad you could join us today. It's the day after Halloween. I hope everybody had a great time. And no matter whether you're here with us in a worship or you're joining us online, you are exactly where God wants you to be today. Today, we're talking more about giving. Last week, we talked about the ways we could give. Today, we're going to talk about our attitude when we give. God loves a cheerful giver. And that means that we're happy when we give. This time of the year, when we're thinking about Thanksgiving and Christmas coming up, it's a good time to think about giving to others. And Faith Westwood, as long as I've been here, has always had a Thanksgiving meal bag giveaway at Thanksgiving time. And I love this giving opportunity. It's so much fun for my family and I to go shopping and pick up all the items and pack the meal bag and deliver it to church. This year with 2020 and COVID, of course, it's going to look a little different though. I've got my handy dandy list that Miss Holly sent out last week and I printed it off so I can make sure I get all the items and I'm going to do my shopping online. I'm going to go to Walmart, I'm finding all my items and I'm going to put them in my shopping cart and then I'm going to set up a time to go pick them all up. And now I'm at Walmart picking up all my groceries that I ordered, ready to go home and pack my Thanksgiving meal bag. So we're home with our groceries now and we just got home from Trunkless Treat, which is another fun event that makes my heart happy because we get to connect with all of you families and we get to give you some goodies for Halloween. It was just a lot of fun. And now we're ready to fill our bag. We've got our reusable bag here and we've got all our groceries. And I love doing this every year because it means it's coming from our family to another family, and that's really special to me. Mr. Brian, what do you think? Well, I love doing this. It's, it's something that we love to do. We love to give, and I think it sets a good legacy for giving for our, our children. I agree. And you know, God loves it when we are cheerful givers. Yep. And I think this is exactly what he's talking about. So... Don't forget, after children's time, to be sure and check out the latest episode of the Pete and Repeat show and the new I Spy game in your activity bag. You can find all these links at the Faith at Home page at faithwestwood.com or you can go to the email that I just sent out this morning. So until next time, may the Lord bless you and always smile upon you. And all God's kids said... Amen. Amen. And don't forget, next Sunday, we start Sunday school again. On November 8th, we're going to start Sunday school at the 1045 service. It's going to be in the fellowship hall, and I'm going to send out all the details this week so you'll know exactly what's going on. So I will see you next week. I can't wait to see you all again. This morning's reading is from 2 Corinthians, the ninth chapter, beginning with the first verse. There is no need for me to write to you about this service to the Lord's people, for I know your eagerness to help, and I have been boasting about it to the Macedonians, telling them that since last year, you and Acadia were ready to give, and your enthusiasm has stirred most of them to action. But I am sending the brothers in order that our boasting about you in this matter should not prove hollow, but that you may be ready as I said you would be. 
For if any Macedonians come with me and find you unprepared, we not to say anything about you will be ashamed of having been so confident. So I thought it necessary to urge the brothers to visit you in advance and to finish the arrangements for the generous gift you have promised. Then it will be ready as a generous gift, not as one grudgingly given. Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to bless you abundantly, so that in all things at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Hi, everybody. Before I get into the message, I want to fill you in on a couple of things. Both of them are on Tuesday, Election Day. First, our chapel will be open for an Election Day prayer vigil from 11 a.m. to 5 p.m. Hopefully, hopefully you received an email about that yesterday. As part of that, I will lead a brief communion service in the chapel at 1230. Uh, we have room for 14 in the chapel with our proper spacing, so uh, if we have to do a few shifts of communion, we'll do that. Whatever time you come between 11 and 5, uh, use the west entrance and press the button to the left of the inside doors. Tell them you're here for the prayer vigil and they'll buzz you right in. One more thing, uh, Tuesday evening, our staff would like to pray for you at our service of hope and healing. So, I invite you to please send your prayer requests to prayers at faithwestwood.com. And we'd like to have those by Monday um, at 9 p.m. at the latest. So send it to prayers, plural, at faithwestwood.com. Thanks. Let's pray now. Oh God, deliver us from our idols. These lesser things we turn to instead of turning to you. The things we think we can't live without, the gifts that become our gods. Show us what is true. Reveal what is real. We yield ourselves and all things to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, everybody, I got a question for you. What's the difference between December 25th and April 15th? Well, December 25th is what? Christmas Day. April 15th is what? Tax Day. On Christmas Day and the days leading up to it, we give gifts. We make them, we bake them, we buy them, and we, we're delighted to give them. It makes us happy to give. Tax Day doesn't feel quite that way, does it? We spend the weeks leading up to it pulling together our receipts and our forms, and on Tax Day we are assessed. We're not giving out, we're paying in. And we try to make that number as small as we can possibly and legally make it. If we find out that we owe way more than we expected, well, then that can lead to all kinds of weeping and gnashing of teeth. This summer, my son bought a slightly used Mustang 5.0. I've driven it. And let me tell you, that pony has some horses. Months later, he sent me a text after visiting the DMV. 
when he told me how much he paid in property and sales taxes, I replied, the government thinks you're having way too much fun. Giving gifts and paying taxes create very different emotions in us, don't they? Today, we're going to talk about the emotions of generosity. What does it feel like to give? What emotions can we expect from being generous? This is week eight in our 11th Sunday series called Be Weak, Be Strong, Belong. It's based on the Apostle Paul's second letter to the Corinthians. And if you are new here with us today, I especially want to welcome you. Don't worry about, you know, coming in mid-series because every message stands alone. And, of course, if you want, you can watch past messages on our website or you'll find them on our Facebook page. Now, first, let me tell you the story behind this passage. God called Paul to be his missionary throughout the Roman Empire. In his travels, Paul spent a year and a half in the city of Corinth telling people about Jesus, teaching them to be his disciples. After he left, much to his surprise, a few people in Corinth started turning the sisters and brothers against him. So, he wrote them a stern letter. Not really sure how they would respond. We don't have that stern letter. It was not preserved. We know really very little about it. Later, though, Paul finds out that most of them responded positively to his stern, to his stern letter. In the following letter that we call 2 Corinthians, he seeks to clear up misunderstandings. He tries to explain why he did what he did. And he wants to repair the relationship as much as possible. At the same time, there's another issue that Paul must handle now very delicately. He wants all the churches he started in Asia Minor and Macedonia and Greece to join together and present a gift to the sisters and brothers in Judea who are going through a severe famine. And this, this project is about more than hunger relief. You see, Paul also wants to unify the Jewish sisters and brothers and the Gentile sisters and brothers, and he believes that this act of generosity will be the key to doing that. In chapter 8, Paul has already told the Corinthian sisters and brothers how much their Macedonian neighbors to the north have sacrificed for this offering and how, how willingly they gave. And he wants the Corinthians to give willingly as well. Today, we're going to walk through the first eight verses of chapter 9, verse by verse. And Paul starts off by mentioning that um, maybe he wouldn't have to say so much about the gifts for Judea. Uh, maybe the Corinthians don't need uh, prompting to do this. Maybe they don't need this extra motivation. So in verse 1 he says, there is no need for me to write to you about this service to the Lord's people. And by the Lord's people, he means the Jewish Christians in Judea. The word Paul uses is literally the holy ones. Some translations call them the saints. You know, in one sense, everybody who belongs to Jesus is a holy one, a saint. But here, Paul is using that word in a special way. He's referring to the OGs of Jesus, the original Jewish Jesus followers in Judea. 
And then in verse 2, Paul seems to be setting up the Corinthians. He pays them a compliment because he wants to bring out the best in them. Teachers, you do this all the time, don't you? Sneaky. Paul says, For I know your eagerness to help, and I have been boasting about it to the Macedonians, telling them that since last year you and Achaia, which is Greece, you were ready to give, and your, your enthusiasm has, has stirred up most of them to action. I like N.T. Wright's suggestion that Paul was probably writing this letter in stages during his travels, and very likely he's writing this portion in Macedonia. And it's like he's saying, I'm here with the Macedonians, and I've told them all about how last year you were so eager to give and enthusiastic to give to this cause. And it has inspired them to also give eagerly and enthusiastically. But what Paul has just learned from Titus, who's returned from Corinth, is that since last year, the Corinthians haven't really been following through. Now they've got some serious catching up to do. So before Paul sets off for Corinth, he sends an advance team down, Titus and two others, to help the Corinthians get their gift ready. Verse 3. But I'm sending the brothers. In, does that ever feel like a little bit, like, you know, like they're really pushing? I'm sending the brothers in order that our boasting about you in this matter should not prove hollow, but that you may be ready as you said you would be. You know, in ancient Greek and Roman cultures, people love to be honored by others. They love to be complimented, praised in public, have inscriptions written about them. And the worst thing that could happen is to be shamed, to be looked down upon for not living up to what everyone else has a right to expect of you. We call this an honor and shame culture. I don't know how much Japan is still this way, but when I think of the importance of honor and shame, I think of traditional Japanese culture. And it was prevalent in the Roman Empire in the first century. That's why Paul says in verse 4, for if any Macedonians come with me and find you unprepared, we, not to say anything about you, would be ashamed of having been so confident. You could say that Paul's being a bit manipulative here, and I don't know, you may be right. But I suspect that the Corinthians might also be very thankful to Paul for sparing them, for giving them this advance notice. They don't want to be ashamed when, when Paul and a few Macedonians come down to pick up the offering and take it to Jerusalem. Let's say that, in um, comparison here, we invite our Bishop Reuben Sines to come here and speak to us a year from now, first Sunday of November, 2021. And upon accepting, he asks us, to prepare a gift to UMCOR, the United Methodist Committee on Relief, an amount equal to $100 per member that will go to supply coronavirus vaccines for people in poverty all over the world. You know, adding last Sunday's confirmands, Faith Westwood officially has now 977 partners, members. So that's 
equals, then that offering would equal $97,700. It's a pretty decent chunk of change. And we say, sure, yes, we will raise the money, we'll be ready. Well, three months before the bishop is scheduled to come, our district superintendent, Chad Anglemeyer, calls, says, Steve, how's the offerings going for UMCOR? And I say, oh yeah, about that. Um, we've been dealing with some other stuff, and you know, we just haven't really been able to get to it yet. <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, the next morning, Chad shows up in my office and we start making plans. And he's also at the next staff meeting and the next missions meeting and the next finance and church council meetings. And he makes a, an appeal in worship every Sunday for the next two months. He's holding us accountable to what we said we do. And one reason he's doing this is because he wants us to experience the joy of, of a team touchdown, the joy of handing the bishop a check for $97,700 made out to UMCOR to distribute vaccines to people who are poor all over the world. So very much like that, Paul is sending the brothers to help the Corinthians get ready. And then at the end of verse 5, he tells us more about the, the emotions generosity. Paul says, then it will be ready as a generous gift, not as one grudgingly given. Grudgingly is not an emotion of generosity. Grudgingly means reluctantly, resentfully. And then in verse 6, we learn more about the emotions of generosity. And this is uh, kind of a proverb. Remember this, Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. One of the early vegetables that gardeners plant in the spring are peas. You know, you make your furrow, you drop in your seeds, which are dried peas. And some recommend uh, planting 15 to 20 plants per person. If you plant peas for only five plants per person, it may not be enough. If you sow sparingly, you will reap sparingly. If you really love peas and you want to have peas to freeze, <laughs> you might want to plant 25 or 30 per person. The more you plant, the more you harvest. And this tells us something about the emotions of generosity. It's the emotion of expectation. Generosity expects God to multiply our gifts for good. And that's, that's our big idea of the day. Let's say it together, shall we? Generosity expects God to multiply our gifts for good. It's like the kid who gave five loaves and two fish to share with the 5,000 people who came to hear Jesus that day. Jesus' disciple Andrew presents this child's gift of bread and fish to Jesus, saying, but how far will they go among so many people? To the disciple's surprise, Jesus accepts the gift, and he blesses it. And mysteriously, miraculously, everyone is fed. The child expected 
that Jesus would do something good. Generosity expects God to multiply our gifts for good. And then in verse 7, Paul introduces another emotion into the mix. He says, each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give. Not reluctantly or under compulsion. And then he takes it a step further. For what? Say the rest with me. For God loves a cheerful giver. No, no. It doesn't mean that God doesn't love you if you're not a cheerful giver. Jesus said God loves both good people and bad people. What it means here is that God loves it when you give cheerfully. God loves it when we give joyfully, thankfully, gladly. The Greek word uh, for cheerful is hilaros, from which we get the word hilarious. Wouldn't you love to be a hilarious giver? But hilaros doesn't really mean funny or comical. It means cheerful. Later, it came also to mean generous. So it stands for cheerful generosity, hilaros. What if giving brought you that kind of joy? What if giving was a major source of happiness in your life? God loves it when you give cheerfully. And God wants you to love it. A few years ago, when we last tweaked our LEAF logo, someone on the staff asked me what I wanted printed on the giving buckets next to the logo. I answered two words, give cheerfully. Come straight from 2 Corinthians 9-7. You know, you'll, you'll see it if you haven't noticed it before, out on the bucket on the stool as you leave the worship center. It says right on there, give cheerfully. That leads me so then to add one more word to our big idea of the day. Generosity cheerfully expects God to multiply our giving for good. Some years ago, uh, Warren Buffett pledged to give, give away 99% of his wealth during his lifetime or upon his death. He admits he's, he's making no sacrifices in doing so. He's, he's not giving up anything. He says many ordinary people give much more sacrificially than he ever will. At givingpledge.org, Buffett says, millions of people who regularly contribute to churches, schools, and other organizations thereby relinquish the use of those funds that would otherwise benefit their own families. The, the dollars these people drop into a collection plate or to United Way mean far gone, foregone movies, dinners out, or other personal pleasures. He says, in contrast, my family and I will give up nothing we need or want by fulfilling the 99% pledge. Buffett knows that ordinary people who give sacrificially are far more generous than he is. And ordinary people can experience great joy from their giving. We have one more verse in our scripture reading and it comes to us as a promise. Verse 8 says, and God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. In other words, expect God to always give you more than you need 
so you can always be generous. Let me say that again. Expect God to always give you more than you need so that you can always be generous. A few days ago, if you're on our mailing list, you received a letter from me with a 2021 giving sign-up card and a return envelope. If you brought it with you today, um, I guess you're online, so you didn't bring it with you today, did you? Uh, but you can always uh, uh, mail it in. Um, you can bring it into the office if you'd like. Um, and um, if you didn't get one, you can call the office or email one of us and we'll make sure that we have one for you. My hope is that you experience the emotions, the genuine emotions of generosity. Now we're going to move into our communion time. Uh, and if you don't have your communion elements ready, I would just invite you to, to pause your video right now and go and prepare those and then come back and then keep playing the video. We're going to start now with a prayer of confession. Will you join with me? Holy Father, we confess that we have coveted our neighbor's possessions. We have compared our blessings with others and we have failed to be thankful. We have been slow to see when we have been blessed with more than enough. We have not recognized our opportunity, opportunities to be generous. Forgive us, O oh God. Give us thankful hearts and generous hands. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. When Jesus wanted his disciples to remember him and what he did on the cross, he had a meal with them. And um, he took bread and he blessed it and he broke it and he gave it to them and said, this is my body given for you. After the meal, he took the cup and again he gave thanks and he gave it to them saying, this is the blood of a new covenant. It is poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. And every time you drink it, remember me. Creator God, you are the original giver. And we are the receivers. You breathed into us the breath of life. You created a covenant people to carry your promises to the world. You gave us the commandments and the prophets to teach us holiness. You gave us your only Son to deliver us from captivity to sin and death. We praise your name, O God. And now we ask that you will pour out your Holy Spirit upon us and upon these gifts of bread and fruit of the vine, that, that they may be for us the very presence of Christ, his body and blood, and that we may be the people of Christ, his body, redeemed by his blood. And now let us join together in the prayer that Jesus taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. 
and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. the body of Christ given for you. The blood of Christ given for you. Amen.
There is something really special about being a cheerful giver. It fights off depression, self-pity, and sadness. Over the 15 years that I've been a part of Faith Westwood, I have been so impressed by the generosity of this congregation. Thank you so much for your faithfulness. If you have yet to do so, we encourage you to fill out the For the Team card. You can do that online. We would like it if you could do that by today. Also, if you We'd encourage you to stop by faithwestwood.com forward slash service, fill out a connection card, give us your prayer requests. The mission offering for this week is Helping Hands. We have had many needs over this past year um, where people in our congregation really use that fund. So please be generous. Everything that you give will be given back to your church family. We invite you to return back in seven days and Pastor Steve will have a message on the battlefield for the mind.